Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey everybody, welcome back to Buffy Virgin. We are discussing episode, uh, season 4, episode 12, A New Man. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis St. John. We are joined this time by series, friend of the series, David the Goof. Yoder. Well, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. And this is actually a little too hot and heavy for me to wear the whole time. So you woke up a new man. Uh, yeah. And then we are uh, joined by our usual cast of uh, good friends. Um, Michael the Virgin Poli. Hi, my name is Michael. I've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer up to season four, episode 12, A New Man. John, abandoning us for Europe, Landis. That's right. I'm really excited to discuss uh, New Man with a bunch of old men. <laughs> Damn. And our resident surgeon, Dr. Trav, sharp as a scalpel. Hey, it's, it's Travis. And to be fair, John isn't going, he may be going to Europe. He's not going to the Eurozone. Are you going to go see the Watchers Council? Go track them down? He's yes. going to go to the, the, the Watchers Council retreat. We're going to do some kayak. Dartmouth Moors. Dartmoor is wonderful. I've been to Dartmoor three times, uh, two times. It's great. Is it three or two? I think two. The story's not adding up. <laughs> did, did the Water fishy. Council have a location? Do we know where in England they're located? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, we, we will assume... definitely task John with tracking it down. That yeah. Is... I want to find out where Sherwood Forest is, where the real one is, where Robin Hood lives, and then also <laughs> where the Water Council is. I like how you say where Robin Hood lives, like he's still alive and still doing his deeds out there. You know, that immortal bandit. <laughs> I am like pretty Santa sure Claus. Sherwood's a real place. I thought it was a myth. I want to know where you King's Quest mistaken. takes place. I want to know where Robin Hood is. Yeah. All right. Uh, so before we get into the episode, let's uh, dive into reactions. Audience reactions. Um, so we have a lot this week because we're actually going to cover the reactions to Something Blue and Hush. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, a nice iTunes review we just got. Um, so this is by, there's no fucking names open. Uh, good name. <laughs> right, it says, uh, this is my favorite buddy podcast because of the side stories. Uh, so thank you. Uh, it's incredibly interesting to see four guys who are so different have similar backgrounds. And also the rapping. Uh, so that's <laughs> you, Mike. <laughs> Uh, although everyone but Dennis is too soft on virgin predictions. <laughs> uh, and, it's de- and it definitely hurt when John compared Pittsburgh to Cleveland in The Wish. I'll remember that one, John. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's somebody who really listens to this. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, like a, that's a deep comment. I love that, man. It's awesome. <laughs> Do you know what they're talking about with the Pittsburgh to Cleveland? Reference? I don't remember saying that, but it sounds like something I would say. Pittsburgh and Cleveland are rivals because they, they are cities that have a different, a very similar feel and are of similar sizes and uh, similar, I don't know. They, they feel similar to me anyway. 
Uh, it's kind of a narcissism of small differences that keeps them apart. I'm definitely not uh, healing this. <laughs> I think he, he probably would have said something like, a ton of people are going to die in Cleveland anyway, so it doesn't matter Buffy went there. That's, that's, <laughs> oh, that's right. There's something negative, but I like Cleveland. All right, to the transcripts on that one. Yeah, I like them both, by the way. I, but I, I mean that I like those. Cleveland two. rocks. Pittsburgh, I don't know. That is even more attractive in Cleveland. Anyway. <laughs> Um, okay, now moving on to something blue, uh, which we got mostly positive feedback from. Uh, so uh, at Dingo Action uh, says, I agree with Dennis about the Hoffren, uh, one of my favorite occasional characters. And Andy Umberg has the Whedon hat trick. And then I asked him to explain what that was. Um, he said, sure, it's a rare distinction. Uh, four actors have appeared in Buffy, Angel, and Firefly. Umberg, Carlos Jacat, Michael Nagy, or Nagy, and Jonathan Woodward. Hmm. Um, and then he names the episodes, but I won't name them. Uh, and then uh, Renee uh, at Ren and Oz says, you guys, that's summary. You guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike really fucking stepped it up with the summary. Oh, um, the breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah. I just listened to that. Did you guys listen to it live? Because Dennis's reaction almost did not seem shocking enough for like how good that was the, no, oh yeah no we did not have that when we actually yeah. recorded we didn't have that song yeah. for like another two or three weeks yeah like, i think your reaction to this was like yeah music is good <laughs> uh she also says um i think this episode is about willow's propensity to seek shortcuts through her emotional problems this is a pattern we've seen for some time but she's uh now more powerful so consequences also we we have fruit roll-ups in Australia. <laughs> Word, I like that. Um, and then over on YouTube, uh, Silver Spike says, Sp "Spike lips, lips of Spike." Uh, a great little episode. There's the product uh, where the production really saw uh, how well JM and SMG played off each other. Great dialogue in this, and everybody got some great lines. Can I be blind too? Also note how it's only Spike who notices Willow is still in pain over Oz, showing he can be more empathetic than some. Uh, uh, sorry, more empathetic than some give him credit for, even though he's unsold. Um, and uh, Shorn Force says, the song was great. We sh you should sing more. So that, yeah. <laughs> All right. Rap yeah. is done. Got it. Uh, and then now we're going to move on to reactions to Hush. Um, and most of these are actually reactions to the reactions to Pangs that we did in Hush. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, Renan Oz says, um, guys, I'm all for accountability slash not a proponent of giving things a pass, uh, but to de deny context is also unhelpful. The television landscape uh, reappropriation and general handling of racial sensitivity is light years different from the 90s, and that does matter. Um, and then it goes on. It's painful for me to acknowledge uh, my formative years as a really long time ago and indicative of large shift in public consciousness, but so it is. Um, and Silver Spike uh, says similarly, um, quotes, uh, I believe you, John, with uh, yeah, that's right. to, to me, the 90s don't feel that long ago. Uh, well, I hate to break it to you, but it is. <laughs> uh, no free pass, eh? A pity, because uh, in my opinion, that's, it's all about context. Uh, whether you want to acknowledge this or not, TV really was different nearly 20 years ago. And I do think you have to Take that into consideration. I mean, you can imagine if you applied your, I mean, imagine if you applied your attitude to, towards, uh, I don't know, the treatment of women in Shakespeare plays. Uh, sometimes you have to allow for the era it was created in. Nobody's asking you, uh, asking anybody to agree with it. 
uh, but at least show an understand some understanding of it. Uh, that's not giving anything a free pass. Talking of which, and then um, sends a link to a funny Tumblr video of David Mitchell from uh, Mitchell and Webb and Peep Show as Shakespeare, being like, "Yes, I'm sexist, but I come from a time when women were property." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's more. Sorry, uh, he's at least ten times more evil than Loki. Uh, this is a Travis quote. Uh, er, no. I get you don't think much of Spike's character, but hell, guys, that's a lot of, that's a tad OTT, isn't it? What's OTT? Over the, Over the top. top. Over the top. Oh. <laughs> oh, and in case you never saw it, uh, here's the Fashion Nerds uh, take on the story. I really do recommend watching this. Um, I did watch it, and it was good. Um, and I might start watching Passion of the Nerds Buffy recaps after we do our episodes, because they're good and smart. Um, and Silver Spike oh, uh, also says, uh, oh, and to add to the gen- add, uh, the gentlemen are wonderful creations. Uh, at a Buffy convention years back, I saw uh, two attendees cosplaying as them. Both of them were roller skates, wore roller skates on their feet, so they seemed to glide through the crowd of attendees. Very effective idea. That does sound cool. Uh, Sagov9 says, uh, regarding the kill count, I think uh, there were more than two hearts in the jars after the first night. Uh, but Giles only knows about two of them, as he claims in his presentation. Something like they need seven and they have at least two. Uh, I'll have to check to be sure, but I believe that uh, is the case. I'm not nitpicking, just trying to be helpful. Love this episode, guys. Edit, I checked. There were three hearts in the jars after the first night. Um, yeah. So we talked about my kill count was wrong. <laughs> um, which makes me wonder how often my kill count has been wrong and nobody's ever challenged me. Does that mean we subtract a point from Dennis? Yeah, I'm at a <laughs> 69. Uh, all right, so uh, yeah, that is summary for, uh, I mean, sorry, that is review for, or what is this? Reaction. Oh, reaction. <laughs> Another point. <laughs> You're losing uh, all the host points, Dennis. I'm a bad host. Uh, speaking of bad host, uh, let's move on to my summary. The summary. It's Buffy's birthday. Remember that time she had a surprise party and then there was a hand in a box and her boyfriend became evil? Or next birthday, when her trusted paternal figure drugged her and a vampire kidnapped her mom? Yeah, let's throw another surprise party for Buffy. (laughs) Sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Weirdly, nothing goes wrong, except Giles' feelings get a little hurt and he gets to meet Buffy's new beau, Riley. Buffy and Walsh meet not as professor and student, but as military demon project manager and slayer. Spike, apparently no longer a hostage, moves out of Xander's. Giles is having a hard time. He meets Professor Walsh, and they do not get along. Then he runs into his old chaos pal, the poor man's sting, Ethan Rain. (laughs) Instead of playing another round of Kick the Rain, the two old sorcerers share a brew or two. Giles wakes up with a pounding headache and a demon body. He decides to run around town scaring people. It looks like fun. <laughs> Spike is out measuring crypts and runs into Demon Giles. They team up and become best friends. Team Spike slash Giles, Spiles, and Team Buffy slash Riley, <laughs> Biley, both are on the hunt for rain. Spiles gets to rain first because they were not slowed down by any crisis in masculinity. Demon Giles <laughs> almost murders Rain before Biley shows up, and Buffy stabs Giles in the heart. But it's okay, for some reason. Buffy looks deeply into the soulful, demony eyes of her absentee father figure and forces Rain to change him back. Riley Guantanamo Bay's Rain, <laughs> gulp, and all's well that ends well. 
Well, Giles is a little more suspicious of Riley and the initiative, and Riley still, for some reason, thinks he could take Buffy in a fight. Yay. <laughs> Guantanamo Bay's him. Oh, man. Love it. <laughs> Love that. That summary couldn't have existed the time this aired. <laughs> In real time. See, yeah. this is, see, this is a good reason to do this 20 years later. <laughs> Context is key. Uh, <laughs> or sorry, Keaton is key. I forgot. Uh, let's move on to great lines. <laughs> John, why don't you throw one out? Uh, I loved uh, Ethan Rain. You know, demons. It's all exaggeration in blank verse. <laughs> I really liked um, from Walsh. Uh, we thought you were a myth. Well, you were a myth taken. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, and I've actually quoted this one on the podcast before. Uh, Turns out I suddenly find myself needing to know the pl- plural of apocalypse. Uh, Yoder, aren't you good? Uh, that's a, that's yeah. a super famous like, quote. Yeah. Every, every Bucky fan says that one. It's amazing. I, I had a couple uh, when... Uh, Spike and Giles, Demon Giles are in the car. Spike says, ah, oh, picked up a tail. And Giles says, yes, just a little one. Hurts a little <laughs> when I sit. And then at the end with, um, uh, R- not Ripper, uh, God, I, I am. Rain or Giles? Rain, rain, yeah, he gets caught and he says, uh, I really have to learn to do the damage and get out of town. It's the stay and gloat that gets me every time. <laughs> A lot of self-awareness in that moment from him. <laughs> when so. Giles is in the crib and says, who am I kidding? Nothing's going to happen. Walks off. And then <laughs> Rain appears. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that at all. And then, in fact, old Rip writes something rather interesting was about to. And then Giles comes back. And that is hilarious. <laughs> Catching him in the middle of his ominous speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, such a like, good trope subversion. Mm-hmm. But All right. Is this, uh, is this episode like fit was was it more fan fictiony than something blue? Like this episode is so insanely weird. Uh, I don't know. I think I think something blue is definitely feeding the. Yeah. The, is there just a fan fictiony vibe to season four Buffy? <laughs> like they don't well, have a big arcing story to fit everything into, and like because it's '90s TV, you don't have to like continue the story over multiple episodes. So everything's like, hey, you write one, you write one. And then they're like, I mean, I don't know how the show gets approved. Like Joss Whedon's like, sure, that one's good. And that, yep, great. <laughs> I, th- I think there's also just a difference of a show being in its fourth season. Uh, like that, that means like, okay, we've done a lot of like these types of stories or, you know, they've covered a lot of ground already. And so now it's like, okay, what's a crazy idea we had in the hat, but we never like really took as a valid thing to do. Now we can do it, you know, yeah. let's turn Giles into a demon. I would love to hear the origins of some of these ideas if it's like, oh, we're kicking it around, or if like, we literally saw this on a message board and stole it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, Kill Count. The Kill Count. Um, There are zero deaths this week. This is a death-free week. Is that a first? Uh, No, it's not. Although, um, I looked at the... I looked in the Buffy stat book. Yeah. They say there's 15 episodes in which no one dies. Um, although they list some that I listed deaths. Because <laughs> I don't always agree with the stat book. Um, right. But, see, but according to them, season four has the highest episode count without deaths. The most episodes that don't have deaths is in season four. 
I kind of want to question you on this dance just because Giles kills the railing on his stairs. He kills his phone. He kills his shirt. He kills the door. He kills his car window. So that's like five deaths on my count. Plenty of inanimate objects were killed. All right, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. John? Uh, I want to point out a Xander sweater. This is uh, the first good Xander sweater in a few episodes. So uh, there's a picture at the bottom of the document. Um, Scroll, scroll, scroll. Xander's sweater, in this case, really looks like he is in some sort of military organization that is trying to be camouflaged with the sky. (laughs) Oh my God, it's Space Force. It's like you're a paratrooper and you don't want to be spotted next to a cloud. I was going to say he looks like a frontman for like an emo band or something. (laughs) I I want to say I was inspired to wear this shirt because of Xander and like clothes on this show. Like this, this shirt I literally just put on just for the podcast (laughs) and it's just a whatever. It's like a weird colorful shirt that felt like something Xander might wear. It does feel like a Xander shirt. I'll probably wear it again now. <laughs> I was going to just wear it for this up. Uh, so uh, at Buffy's birthday party, she's like, well, she's old. She's like 40. And like, did anyone else feel like Giles is hurt in that comment? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was Ouch. hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it was painful to watch Giles at that party. And also the later scene at Walsh's office. It's just like, like uh so awkward it was crazy to me that the party was from giles's perspective like (laughs) you think it's going to be about buffy's surprise party very quickly it's like giles not enjoying himself and you're like what the what a terrible perspective to show in a party (laughs) the person having the least fun it's like when uh the last episode when willow went to a party and she was also not having fun it's like when we show to a party is like is it always about the person who doesn't want to be there (laughs) (laughs) uh yoder oh sorry uh i i just really liked when giles was cleaning his uh i guess it was his bookshelf or something he's dusting and then something catches his eye he puts the feather duster in his mouth which (laughs) would be disgusting uh and then he like reads something that shocks him and then it drops out of his mouth because he's mouth agape in shock i I, it was really good prop work really good prop work yeah Got to award that prop work. <laughs> you know, are you, are you, uh, I feel like Write our usual... Write it down for the recap, uh, boys. Write it down. <laughs> I feel like we, we haven't had as much prop discussions as we used to. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> because maybe there's been no good prop work to discuss, Dennis. Maybe uh, the quality of the prop work has been low. <laughs> uh, Mike? So I have a prediction about this, which, you know, we'll get to in predictions, but up until the moment they meet, it totally seems like Walsh and Giles seem like a hookup. And I probably should have made it. I don't, I don't think I have a prediction outstanding about them, but like that uh, moment of like parental figure meets parental figure, like this is going to happen. Like they're both, <laughs> but they're both such know-it-alls that can't happen. Like <laughs> it's obnoxious. And like, it's interesting how much Walsh like kind of, gets on the defensive a little bit uh, like with um you know 
when Giles talks about how like, oh, she's always quoting from your lectures. She's like, you know, like, like you're like from a book or whatever. She's like, I don't teach from a book. And it's like, okay, you guys maybe are too, uh, too nerdy for each other, but <laughs> still, I still think they should hook up and I'm not going to use the word hookup, but I do have a prediction about them. The way they zing each other. It feels like, like Walsh somehow already knows everything about Giles. Like, cause she's making like specific zings on his like parenting style and stuff. It's like, no father figure. Yeah. You have no, like, there's no reason to assume that this is like a father figure, right? It's just a librarian. Yeah. Riley, like, yeah. Oh, you're the librarian. Like no one understands what Giles is in the equation. Like I love how overconfident and stupid the initiative feels where they're like, oh, oh, you have sticks? That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, Great. of course they would undermine or like undervalue Giles. Everybody's undervalued except their own selves. Yeah, it's weird. Like nobody can explain Giles. They're like, he's our high school librarian who we hang out with. And you know why no one can explain him? Because he should have died in last season. <laughs> he shouldn't be in this season. He doesn't belong. I love it. You're picking up my mantle. <laughs> Dude, you're so right though. Like, what is Giles in the season? I mean, we all love Giles. He's a great character, but like he clearly doesn't have a place if he can't be clearly figured out by this military organization, right? They're like, oh yeah, sorry, you so you must be retired now. The library's been destroyed. <laughs> what do you do? The man of leisure. He's between he's just, work. He's between yeah, he, He's an unemployed librarian that gets hit on the head a lot. That's all. I love his uh, his failed smarty pantsing when he walks into Walsh's office and he's like, these hallways are quite the labyrinth. I, I feel like Theseus and the Minotaur in the uh, labyrinth. <laughs> he, just, he, he wants to come off as smart, but he makes the, like, the most basic reference like, possible. I, no, will I don't just... think that's basic. That's a, good, that's a oh, funny... That's like ninth grade reading, though. <laughs> oh. What should he be referencing? How can how can you I, trick someone to thinking he was smart? I don't know. I feel like uh, he should have he should have brought out something something that would impress a college professor. He should have been like, uh, "This reminds me of Derrida or something." I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, based on my personal experience, you can't impress a college professor. So, I think his only mistake was saying labyrinth twice. Uh, <laughs> but I think he should like, reference the labyrinth movie. Yeah, I feel like Jennifer like Jim Henson. <laughs> being chased by david bowie <laughs> i think the only way you could come out and like really compliment like like get with walsh or like not get with sorry to like, make <laughs> like smart would be to like actually compliment <laughs> her work or something like have read her work and say like oh i really thought your contributions to psychology something like that that'd be like a little insider thing where he thinks she's great but uh you know that might disarm her instead he goes this weird way where he says you know oh buffy thinks you're great <laughs> like he's you know completely off the hook well, he already also, doesn't like her at this yeah. point. He decided he didn't like her in the party when, when Buffy said that uh, she's the smartest person she knows. He immediately didn't like her. <laughs> he gets defenses on, on Willow's behalf because everybody knows Willow is the smartest. Right? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you say that about your friend? Yeah, because Willow's in that class too. She doesn't get a mention at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Buffy's, the, she's so smart. Yeah. What about Willow? uh sorry, uh mike uh you got the next comment Let's oh sorry see. yeah uh so i love this like conversation about how many like demons or you know uh otherworldly creatures you've eliminated and riley's got his 17 number which seems like a lot and like 
Buffy, how many, you know, demons have you neutralized or whatever? And she's like, mm. like, she doesn't say her number. And like, I love this joke, which is clearly about sexual experience, you know, that kind of get plays out. Cause like, it totally does. Cause Drone's making a face. I just didn't, I didn't think of that. That's great. Well, cause in the next scene, Riley's like talking about like, oh, you know, oh, I guess I don't, didn't know the plural for apocalypse. You know, like you must deal with a lot of crazy things. Like, you know, implying how experienced she is and how inexperienced he is, but he's still like, you know, that doesn't follow through. I mean, it does follow through the episode. Like he doesn't really change his opinion. He's still. He's well, a, it's a, yeah, it's a weird mix of him being impressed, but also being like, but I could still beat you in a fight when he's like, I'm not even sure I could take you like not even me, the great Riley. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you, Riley. The answer is obviously you can't take her. Good God. <laughs> I like your impression of Riley as the Wizard of Oz. That's excellent. <laughs> Even I. Um, how no long one do you sees think... the initiative. Not nobody. Not know how. <laughs> how long do you think they spent at Walsh's office, though, with Buffy just regaling like all the demons that she's killed and like all the times she's saved Sunnydale and stuff? Yeah, I don't like, know. It's I just mean, like a cutaway. She obviously gives some detail because she's like, I've faced many apocalypses, but like not all, right? No, and well, Walsh is I think, because <laughs> Walsh still gives the order for Buffy to stand aside later, right? Like clearly, it doesn't doesn't compute. It's like, oh, interesting. Also, mm. yeah, I mean, the whole thing. I think she's like, like she has totally the wrong idea about what the Slayer is. They all do, obviously, right? But like, she's like trying to compare her to Riley, but like really, she should be compared to like her or something. You know, like she's thinking of. Buffy is like a foot soldier, but Buffy is a general, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like when you have an accreditation from a school and then some other school doesn't recognize the accreditations or whatever. Like it happens all the time when immigrants come to this country, I mean, like they used to come to this country and like uh, you could have a PhD in mathematics, but it doesn't mean you have a PhD in mathematics from a United States school. So it's like basically nullified. And like she has this amazing, you know, experience, but it might as well never have happened. It's like, yeah. oh, interesting. Well, you didn't um, didn't do it with guns, so. Well. <laughs> we tried well, using guns. Or it's seen as like LARPing, and like what she's what <laughs> Walsh is doing is like actual like military actions, I guess. You know, like if you would compare those two. Totally, LARPing versus the military. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, you got the next one. Oh, I guess so. Um, Oh, just this, I think I did the quote, but it's the funniest moment in the episode when um, Ethan Rain gets his ominous, like, speech as Giles has left the tomb, you know, whatever, where, you know, he thinks something's going to go on. And, like, that is amazing. It plays with that whole trope of, like, an, an evil character getting uh, getting one up on a hero, like, over, observing a scene. Uh, I think, actually, on Angel, there's a bit of this happening where there's a scene when Spike is on the on the show and he's, like, watching Angel and, like, talking like kind of monologuing about what's going on and like it gives you a lot of power when you're in a position where you can narrate and talk through what's happening and like the fact that he's literally doing it and then gets caught is hilarious um because I, I think the show has done it both ways it's done the typical way of having someone kind of monologue through it's like an evil character telling talking about what they're going to do next or like mm -hmm. the hero is so wrong and uh anyway it's lovely and it's awesome to invert it that was a laugh out loud for me uh, it's very funny I think I rewound it and watched it again just because I thought it was so good. Oh, bugger. Um, <laughs> so 
with the this discovery that Giles makes in the book, um, I, I forget what it is, some demon prince that's supposed to rise or whatever. Like, did he misread the text? Or is it like Willow thinks that it was the initiatives already shown up and taken care of it? Or is it that Giles is like vainly just like making up this thing that like, you know, he's trying to find his importance again, like to be relevant to the gang and everything. That's a good question. I don't know. The episode gives us no answers. Um, although I would take a key from um, Ethan Rain say like, you know, demons, it's all like, like that a demon said like, I will be resurrected in 200 years. But like he was really just dying. <laughs> <laughs> That's my interpretation. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you got the next one. Oh yeah, I don't know why Giles gets a beer with Ethan Rain. That is such a weird cut. And I get that that's like, I mean, it's obviously what happens. And like Ethan Rain drugs him or whatever he does to demonize Giles. But like that whole scene is so unlikely. And the <laughs> fact that Giles doesn't doesn't want to be there, doesn't trust him the whole time, and like getting super drunk and like talking smack, like it's just a no. That does that's not what happened. <laughs> I don't believe that's it what happened. happened. It happened. I'm so annoyed. I love it. I, mean, I, love I, it I get what like... you're saying, but I do. Yeah, I also love it. it, it the, the, it's emo- there's an emotional truth to it because Giles is feeling sad. He doesn't like Ethan Rain, but he's his friend from back in the day. He needs to hang yeah. out. Like he gets to hang out with his friend who's going to understand what he has to say about feeling washed up. Also, this show is super aware that there's like Rain Giles slash fiction out there. Oh my God. <laughs> I find you quite attractive. <laughs> that, uh, that amazing thing they do with the close-up on Giles and you hear that come from off, off camera is a, had so, such a great moment. He did oh, that I, one drink too early. That was his mistake. Like. <laughs> I don't know. To me, it, it didn't feel that weird because it felt like in a Marvel comic when Dr. Doom and Reed Richards are like, or like Magneto and Charles Xavier are like, well, old friend. Let's play a game of chess and then I'll try to murder you later. No, no. Then there's like a world bending reason for them to do it. There is no reason for Giles to sit down with Ethan. Giles has all the power and even caught Ethan doing his monologue that he's up to shit. And I then- also totally don't believe when Ethan's like, isn't this better than beating me up? And he's like, well, I like it better. I was like, I don't believe that for a second. You love getting beat up by Giles. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why else did you turn him into a giant strong monster? I don't, so I, yeah. (laughs) Don't spank me, no. (laughs) So while I agree that it's emotionally true to do this thing, it doesn't like narratively make sense for Giles and Ethan to sit down. Like it's not deserved. Like Ethan's the bad guy and has been. They didn't leave on good terms the last time. And like the Halloween mix up or whatever, like everything's kind of a mix up and there's a madcap kind of vibe to stuff so maybe it's forgivable and you can like oh we're actually just old colleagues and whatever no he's a fuck up he's a mess he's always up to some shit for un- unknown gain like you don't hang out batman and the joker don't sit down unless something's really fucked up like the universe is in danger and for whatever reason ethan has some magic talisman that they need and we got to cooperate like the giles and spike cooperation totally works for me in this episode and it's awesome the ethan versus you know giles thing doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense for you know sure ethan can trick giles in some way and like giles can become a demon but it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work and i was annoyed by it and like that scene is fun but it's like yeah it's from it's like a fan wrote it but the spike giles thing is marvelous and super well done 
So anyway, that, that's my two cents on it. I was just annoyed by that scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you're allowed to be annoyed. I would accept yeah. any kind of like retcon nonsense to get to that scene where they're at the bar together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Like it's lovely, but it doesn't deserve to happen. It's too good. Ugh. Anyway. This isn't this isn't a wreck or anything, but I just recently watched this movie called The Bride, where Sting plays Dr. Frankenstein. And I watched it right before I watched this. And like that's why I was like, it's the poor man Sting, because he's like their behavior is very similar. It's like he's trying to be Sting. That's what made me think about it. Um it also has Clancy Brown as the Frankenstein monster in that movie. It's pretty good. Uh sorry. <laughs> That's totally off topic. I should save that shit. <laughs> uh, so while they're getting drinks, uh, Giles does admit that, uh, you know, or acknowledges that he has this propensity for getting knocked on the head, which I just think is very funny because it happens so much time, so many times in the universe in the show to have a character like acknowledge it. I'm surprised he even remembers that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Only when he's really drunk, maybe does he recall. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge the uh, uh, the magic spell scene. Uh, how about that scene, huh? I mean, that's a good first date. Yeah. Like, we're going to do some magic and pluck the uh, petals off of a rose and make it float. Like, that's a good first date. I like that they're so, like, into it that they, like, start holding hands before they even, like, explain the spell. They're like, we're just going to hold hands for, like, five seconds and then... Wait, what? What was, the point, what was the point of the spell? I like listened to it, but I didn't understand the point of it. There wasn't Making a point. Minds as one or something. Okay, it's just they're they're testing their uh, compatibility. It's practice. Okay. It's like don't practice. you don't you practice before you uh, cut somebody open, doctor? Practice. <laughs> Who's got time for practice? <laughs> <laughs> I got my hundred hours. <laughs> um, 100, I mean, have you ever <laughs> I mean. I know Willow does make a big deal of it later, but like, did you guys notice how over the top, like serious the music was when the Rose was like, just like thrashing about the room, like out of control? I don't know. It was just like, oh no, it's Rose. What is going to happen? Those thorns. Yeah, that's uh, a really magical first date. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're just friends. I have no... It was written really sexually. It was... <laughs> all the phrasing i was like oh my gosh i don't know i think i think giles's date was sexier than than willow's there's a lot of sexy team-ups this episode <laughs> let's just leave it at that but giles's date was somewhat sexy the, the, the spell was definitely like sexual. <laughs> uh i had a medical question um buffy kicked riley in the chest so hard that he flew across the room is it did his heart explode <laughs> He totally should have died, probably. <laughs> Maybe Riley's more superhuman than we give him credit for. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll be okay. It's like, dude. He could, I mean, he, got, he was like feeling like his heart. It was like, yeah. he got kicked. He got kicked right the hard, is. dog. He got kicked hard. He just had one lung rupture. That's all. That's all that happened. So much, so much, it would cause so many problems. <laughs> That'd be an amazing like way the fourth season like took a turn like Puppy accidentally murders Riley. <laughs> the fourth season is covering it up from the initiative. Uh, it's Pat or, all over oh again. It'd be, It'd be great. <laughs> It'd be so amazing. It'd be great wow. if like three episodes from now he dies from complications to that kick. Ooh, like yeah. it's just like an after. <laughs> like his delayed so reaction. Like, like, you feel okay to drive home? He's like, oh, I feel fine. And I drive home. He has a cardiac arrest. 
and he just dies in the car. Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be insane. Uh, you know, the, the Buffy re- reboot can get this all can get this correct this <laughs> next time. Or I mean, Riley could be like a Deadpool type character, right? Though that like can just take whatever damage, right? Like maybe yeah. that's his special powers getting beaten up. Because it doesn't seem like he ends up at the victory side of a lot of his battles, you know. I've Seventeen. Been... <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't in a row. Riley totally belongs with Willow and Xander. He's in the B team when there's a yeah. problem. <laughs> I've actually been watching a lot of Ranma one half recently, and like oh, the like sparring sorry. in that reminds me of this. I don't know why. Just I love Ranma one half. Also, not a wreck. Just a. <laughs> no, it's great. It's just uh, it's endless. But it's like the spar, the the like constant sparring and the way they're like able to like, like do stuff over like the that top, over the top, like damage and like getting kicked and punched and fall off you know roofs. Yeah. Uh, so I thought Anthony Head uh, actually has a really great face for monster makeup. Like his face is perfect for the Fural Demon. Uh, I like that Fural Demon makeup a lot, and I really like the description of its snot powers. Um, <laughs> It's sad we don't ever see the mucus. I know. <laughs> yeah. At the I end when like a bad like CG flubber kind of <laughs> That's true. We know that Buffy can't do liquids. We've established that. Oh. <laughs> oh, when did they fail at liquids? Uh, there was the, 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 uh, the, the zombie goo that from uh, Ethan Rain episode, right? Yeah, yeah Ethan Rain episode. episode. And then there was there was another bad liquid. What yeah, about just water in general? If you fall in water, you die, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Buffy knows that more than anyone else. Have there have been four Ethan Rain appearances. I was trying to get them right. Giles' old friend who came, Demon, and then the Halloween episode, and then the Candy episode in this episode. Am I missing one? I think you're right. So I guess I've been on for half of them, I guess. I don't remember. <laughs> um, just have to the Yoder, the Our resident rain. rain expert. Yeah. Rain expert. I should learn to skip town and not stick around and gloat so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, is it my turn? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah Spikes yeah, yeah. Uh, using a tape measure on a crypt when Giles runs into him in the graveyard. I thought that was a very funny bit, which actually I didn't catch till the second watch through. I did, uh, but um, he mentions it would be okay to kill a demon, and now. This is maybe I'm more wanting to ask you, Dennis, might know, but uh, would it be okay for him to drink the demon's blood? Would that have a different, like, adverse effect? And has the show already covered this idea of, like, a vampire draining a demon's blood? I'm glad you brought this up because I was thinking of the same issues. Uh, I think he could drink a demon's blood. It probably... Mike Mike knows the answer to this question from Angel Season 1. What? (laughs) <laughs> I think it, it probably depends on like how close to a human the demon is. Like the more close to a human, the more the blood is compatible, right? Like I, this is me in a very non-scientific way trying to guess about the science of demon blood. But like if you're like not a humanoid demon at all, like I don't think the drinking the blood would help. But I bet you, I bet a demon could sustain himself. I mean, a vampire could sustain himself by drinking demon blood if they were like humanoid enough. Well, it'd be guess. interesting, like, if he drank Giles as a demon or another... What type of demon is it? The feral? Fiar- or feral. feral. 
Like if he drank I'll check demon. If he drank one of those demons' bloods, then maybe he'd get sick as a side effect and he'd like have the bad mucus and like he'd be like extra irritable and want to fight people all the time and stuff, you know. Like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's established yet. Well, no, it's kind of established that they get like that a vampire can get more strength from drinking slayer blood, right? So like presumably if you drink a demon stronger than you, you can get stronger. Yeah, it's an Angel Season 1, Episode 7 or 8, I Will Remember You. Angel's blood gets mixed in with the demons, and he turns human. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So definitely what you're suggesting totally could happen. Also, I like guess, if, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think was, I may be trying to make the show too much like iZombie or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was thinking, like, if Spike was truly evil, like, this would have been his opportunity to just kill like a member of the of Buffy's team. Oh. And he doesn't I thought that too. Like why like, is he not just murdering? He, he's just way more into $200 than he is into the killing. <laughs> also, what good does it do to measure the outside of a crypt? I would like <laughs> you would have to measure the inside. It's insane. Those and were just totally the pre-measurements. He stole, totally stole that tape measure from Xander. It's so clear he doesn't know what he's doing. Like when he brings up like getting a fridge to keep the blood cold and he's like Oh, not bad. You know, like he's never thought of what's involved in making something good or like getting a good spot <laughs> to hang out in. Yeah. He's like, well, he's always got like his like um, horrible vampire girlfriends. Maybe he makes them take care of it. I mean, we've made fun of Angel for not having his shit together, but like Spike really doesn't have his shit <laughs> Yeah. Remember when this, this, when Spike first came into the show and he had like minions and he even kind of mentions that he used to hire feral demons. Like he is so not that character anymore. <laughs> could like hire people that's like, a more badass spike yeah he's fallen on hard times yeah <laughs> he's really more rock he, he is just as at rock bottom as uh as tony head as giles <laughs> yeah this is really this episode is really about like men hitting their rock bottoms <laughs> their bottom rocks their bottoms hitting men's bottoms that'd be an amazing episode of buffy vampires there season four episode rock bottom like, I would like to see that'd be amazing. Uh, just a spinoff of like the sitcom version of uh, Giles as a demon hanging out with Spike trying yes. to be roommates or something. <laughs> that'd be good. It's great, yeah, because the the messy one looks more human, and the one that's a monster is the cleanly clean guy. It's a yeah. perfect perfect gag. <laughs> there could have been ten spinoff shows. There's just so much opportunity. <laughs> Uh, so uh, when Riley gets to Giles' house, he's like, we monitor 911 calls. It's like, <laughs> how does Giles have neighbors who still call the police? Like, the amount of insane, just because they heard some ruckus and one door was broken. Uh, I mean, like, they're probably super vigilant after a serial killer, like, killed somebody next door. They probably call the police, like, every day. I was saying they would have to call every day. They're like, uh, there's, like, a, a troop of Indians attacking this house today. <laughs> Or like we just saw four demons beat him up and then run off, uh, and I, I noticed the police do not show up. You're right. Jenny Calendar was found; her body was found at Giles's place, right? And yep, like, yeah. and then also, yeah, the Indian attack was very recent, and there was no 911 call, as far as we know. At least not when the initiative tapped. Yeah. Yeah, the initiative didn't show up for that one, right? At all. Maybe it's uh, new neighbors. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. They're like freaked out by this thing that everybody else is just used to. Oh, that poor landlord can't keep a tenant, probably. <laughs> High turnover. Yeah. Right. They're amazed Giles still wants to keep the place. 
They're like, amazingly, we didn't write any of this into the lease. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Mike, you got the next one. Sure. Yeah. So when, uh, for whatever reason, they're trying to, you know, Giles and Spike as a team are trying to track down Ethan Rain. It's uh, super funny uh, that Spike uh, interrogating like a waitress uh, because he's like actually seems like a charming, interesting person that's good at getting information from people. And I feel like the Buffy team in general, when they're trying to do interrogation, like handles it more like, tell me this or else or whatever. Yeah. And like Spike is just like, oh yeah, an English person like me, you know. You, but you know not uh, obviously not as attractive or whatever like like it's quite it's quite a charming fun scene and like i like spike investigating stuff way more than angel investigating stuff uh like he just has an interesting tone and it's fun and yeah. this scene's fun i mean i've seen him also be angry and crazy but like this part's this feels really good i also really like um in that scene that giles is just in the background with a big blanket over his head it's such a perfect like this is Sunnydale moment. <laughs> it's like if we just put a big blanket out over you, you can come into the bar and no one will look. Uh, yes. Uh, you know uh, yeah. Don't mind sorry. my friend. He's uh, insane. You have that. <laughs> Spike's like I was walking around with a blanket a couple weeks ago, so I get it. <laughs> right. Spike's so not judgmental. He like understands the language and stuff. It's such a great. I mean, that whole relationship is wonderful. Uh, Giles is like, oh, am I going to be able to, you know, project heat beams? Yeah. <laughs> it's not thing. Uh, Yoder? Oh, I was just, uh, perhaps my favorite part of the episode and why I asked to be on this one is I, I love Demon Giles asking Spike to pull over the car and then he runs out and terrifies his Walsh just going rah, 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 to like chasing her, which I imagine he wasn't even speaking English that time. He was just literally going like rah, 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 you know, like to terrify her. Very funny. Yeah, that is a great scene. I'm glad you pointed that one out. Uh, Mike? Oh, yeah, I guess we've already talked about this, but it's unclear to me why Riley thinks Buffy needs to stay behind, except, you know, Walsh just kind of ordered it. And like, that's so many things Riley says in this episode will bother me. Yeah. <laughs> that one bothers me a lot. <laughs> no, me too. Uh, all right. Yoder? Uh, so I'm just confused by, I mean, I get the gag of it, but like as a story moment, um, Spike is terrible at driving Giles's terrible car. Okay. He's like, has trouble with the shifting. But then, like, he's able to outmaneuver the military Humvees, like, doing all the turns around the curves and stuff. And then he gloats, and then he crashes the car. What, what was the point of that? Like, is he, <laughs> is he good at driving? Is he bad at driving? What, what statement are we making about the car? Like, I know the car is terrible, but, like, it just was not consistent to me. Like, it was funny, but... Did the car survive? <laughs> Yeah, it was not consistent. Apparently, I mean, I think it's mostly that the initiative sucks and they can't freaking even tail this crappy car. Would you say if uh, Spike did more than $300 damage, damage to the car that Giles should not have to pay him the money that he agreed upon for the escape? Oh, I don't know, I don't I think know if you want to burn that bridge, though. He should still get paid. I mean, the reality is it's uh, cost, it was a cost of the verbal contract uh, of the escape it wasn't it wasn't spike's fault yeah the, but like giles his giles's position put them in danger for the car to get damaged once uh once once giles is a human again if he doesn't pay spike what's spike gonna do about it 
not work for him again. <laughs> It'll take him to Judge Judy or something. To, to <laughs> We'll post a Yelp <laughs> I love the idea of Spike on like Angie's list for. <laughs> I did not get the services. I was sold. <laughs> Out of work, older male librarian. Do not trust. Uh, John, you got this uh, next note. So, uh, in um, in Ethan Rain's uh, hotel room, he had a feast for, uh, there. Apparently, of a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken and a six pack of Virgin Cola. Are you guys, did you guys know about Virgin Cola? Didn't know about Virgin Cola. Apparently, in the '90s, Richard Branson decided he wanted to take on Coke and Pepsi and released Virgin <laughs> Cola, uh, and it didn't do super well. Uh, oh, man! But apparently, you can still get it in Afghanistan, Bangladesh, France, Italy, Japan, Kosovo, Malta, Nigeria, China, Switzerland, <laughs> and Tunisia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Wow! Throw that in there. I literally had no idea what this note meant. I thought you were making some reference to your podcast name and like you guys were going to brand off and do your own cola or something. I don't That's know. That's a good but, idea. Uh, making oh, making your own cola is really difficult. I've looked into it. <laughs> I, I thought it was maybe like the name of a generic cola because I forgot that Virgin was like a company. Yeah, no, apparently uh, because it's Virgin Cola, like they, the one thing they were really good at was product placement. So it's in a bunch of TV shows from this era. It's like apparently it's all over Ali McBeal. That's hilarious. Oh my God, John. According to Wikipedia, the, the no company has the UK license of Virgin Cola. So that's right. This is how well, you're gonna integrate. <laughs> well, I feel like for the show at picture, then you just gotta write Buffy Virgin Cola and yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, just get stickers that say Buffy and put it on top of a <laughs> whenever we're in Afghanistan, make sure to do that. Pack them up. I, mean, I thought I thought it was just going to be Afghanistan when you were saying it. Yeah, it's amazing. But it was in uh, some other random countries. So that list must have been in al- alphabetical order. Yes. Yeah, apparently. Thank you, Wikipedia. That's very organized. But it, it also, yeah, oh, no, it's, it's not though, because China is in the middle of it. Anyway. No, weird. Oh, China. <laughs> it's okay. in alphabetical order except China. Seems like getting to China would be the big thing. I don't know. Or I guess France. This market is a big market. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, That's my observation for the day for economics. <laughs> Get there. Just got to sell in China. Is, anyone, is there a review of Virgin Cola on YouTube? I'm certain there is. <laughs> uh, while John searches for that, you have the next note. Okay. Uh, a fate almost as bad as Virgin Cola. Imagine uh, being almost killed by your own letter opener. And then um, I'm also wondering, did is it just a good thing that Giles didn't have actual silver for his letter opener that he didn't die this episode yeah that seemed like such a weird shortcut to me oh dying I like the virgin. giles is here we go giles's like apartment is actually full of fake antiques yeah like that phone was actually one of those like uh touchstone phones all along it's just one of those fake fakey look fakey rotary dial looking phones oh man what is later when he gets a new phone what does he call it this genius speaking tube. Speaking tube <laughs> oh yeah. gosh, it's a wireless phone. Yeah. <laughs> Child's leveled up. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually surprised it wasn't real silver. I get. I I always felt like that was a that's like a weird cop out ending thing. But you know, I'm glad Giles didn't die, so I'm happy it worked. <laughs> no, I was amazed that they kind of followed through with that scene and like had Buffy stab him. Yeah. And have like an oh shit moment. It was really. Yeah. As a viewer, I was really shocked the way that played out, and then it was okay. Like he didn't die. 
yeah, you think the thing would be to play it as like she figures it out right before she stabs him, but nope, she stabs him and then figures. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing that like when they turned him back, he didn't like keep the chest hole. That's yeah, that's magic true. works. Like if he like be sad if he turned it back to a human and he just died because he still has a chest wound. Yeah, it actually like, his chest hurt. To... <laughs> but, yeah. Hey, Riley's fine too. Everybody's fine. <laughs> the, the male chest is just indestructible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's funny, like looking at some reading some stuff about the Civil War lately, and like, you know, if you're injured at all, like you're in an die. extremity, they just <laughs> remove it. But anything oh. in this chest region, it's just like there was nothing we could do. Yeah. It's kind of the medical vibe. <laughs> But I get why uh, our, our most recent review said how different we are because like I just keep bringing up Ranma and then you're like I was reading about the Civil War. Like, <laughs> well, I'm at a certain age. Different, different Not t- your typical Buffy podcast. <laughs> uh, Mike, you got the last line. and Yeah, so you mentioned this in your summary, of course, that yeah. Ethan gets kind of squirreled away to Guantanamo or whatever. Um, I don't like Ethan, but I feel like the uh, holding facility and even Spike going to this holding facility. Like I, I want these characters dead apparently, but like <laughs> going to a detention facility is like scarier and weirder. And I, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it speaks to shadiness. It's like this uh, but, organization, but it's like without trial, without, you know, any kind of legal process or due process, we're going to just take him away now. Uh, to a detention Welcome facility. to America, Michael. <laughs> yeah, there is that vibe about it. Like this is the military operates under different rules, of course, and like that's what kind of, they're playing into that. But it's just so shocking that that's what happens to Ethan. That like that he's going to be taken away. Like there is this like it's it feels like if at an end of Scooby Doo, like an episode of Scooby Doo or something, we're like oh Madcap, blah blah. blah then like they have one character one new character that week like joe and joe's in like the air army corps of engineer i don't know whatever joe the military guy and then joe's like oh don't worry we'll take care of this guy <laughs> and like puts him in jail forever which like will be a hilarious riff in the adult swim episode but here it's just like shit that's that like breaks the show a little bit for me <laughs> there's also yeah. this military organization where they go like like I mean, Batman kind of like gets rid of the villains and drops them off somewhere. They end up in Arkham Asylum, I guess. So just maybe similar. I just, uh, it's weird. And then for Buffy to have no power over that, like they can't stop it, it's weird. And so, I don't know. It it just spoke to what this season is about, which will be about the initiative and Buffy will get clearance or she won't, whatever. But like, that felt really shocking watching it. Yeah. I also, like, Giles is suspicious, but Buffy isn't. Buffy's like, well, what a great solution. Like, which I bring up in questions, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it feels weird and gross. Uh, so let's That's her forward. boyfriend, Dennis. <laughs> let's move to questions. Questions for the group. Uh, Yoder, why don't you go first? Well, I don't know if I want to ask this question because I don't want to answer it, but I'll ask for the rest of you, I guess. But, um, Ever been to a party like Giles where you're you only know one person or a small group of people and you feel like you shouldn't have ever gone to the party in the first place? I've never had a bad party experience in my yeah, life. Yeah, parties are great, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am a party animal. 
I am always where the fun is. Oh, shit. I just remembered on the subject of parties, that banner for Buffy's birthday was terrible because it said, happy birthday, 19th Buffy. It like <laughs> the placing of the words, like they just did a bad job and I g- got to call it out. Banner, Michael? Like you didn't Family need to throw mis- that 19. The 19 was such an afterthought. Like it was a different color even. Like what the, it's like we have to remind the people that she's turning 19. That's all it was. Sorry for that mini rant. <laughs> we don't have mini rants on this podcast. <laughs> There's a special category for that stuff, I'm sure. It's called weird noticings and trivia. Uh, yeah, we just went through that. I like, we, we, I don't know. Side note, we should have a new segment called mini rant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, we've all had this experience, I think, going to a party where you're the, it's the wrong party. This, Of course, as a married person, this happens frequently because you're invited to a party where the spouse knows all the people. Like my wife does some volunteering. There's sometimes events or fundraising events that I'll go to. And like, I don't know anybody there. Uh, I'm constantly trying to get Travis to come to events where he doesn't know people. Um, <laughs> and he, wisely ignores he goes to zero of those events <laughs> i know zero of those people I know, like i go to the small events you know i go to the thanksgiving which are very nice to invite me to and i know everyone there well except for this year but the other ones i did well yeah and I, yeah i know it doesn't you totally feel like you shouldn't have gone when you go to those things but you have to push through that feeling and be there um to support your partner but that's different than going alone to a thing i think i've always yeah I mean, I rarely go alone, truly alone to something that I don't belong to. Oh, yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> I do sometimes. I don't know. Got to do it if you're forever single uh, and still need and still want to go to things. You got to just go alone sometimes. I feel it for you, single guys. Yeah, that's a tough feeling. There's, I guess that's where I, everyone takes social anxiety drugs. They can get over that feeling. <laughs> You ever get in that conversation when you're talking with friends and they talk and reveal what antidepressants they're on and you're shocked? Ever happened to you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about shocked, but. Okay. <laughs> not shocked. But just that you're like, oh, these are way more common. Like I'm not on any, any of them, right? I'm, I'm an extrovert I, that does improv, right? So. I, I haven't been on the show in a while, but I thought it was Dennis's role to get too real and dark <laughs> during the show and not your role. We're at season four, Michael, though, David. We're at season four, Michael. Things, the rules are changing. Are you even a virgin anymore, Michael? Right. Season four, Polly, is a little bit different. All right, Mike, you got the next question. I like it. Oh, sure. Uh, Okay, so this is a, uh, what would you do? Um, You can't speak English and look like a demon. How long before you're killed? (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming you're going to be killed. Like, like, what what happens? I, I think this is another case where presuming I had the dexterity still to type, I, I think I could be okay for a while. Like I could work Sorry, from Sorry, you home. just destroyed your keyboard, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, right. that's, yeah G- the way Giles has crushed things. Then I would be fucked. Like if I could control myself to type and just be able, I could work from home from a couple days and like try to get some shit together, I, I think I could be okay for a little while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like I living I, in the with your lifestyle and people expecting you to work from home, you could probably not pick up the phone for like a couple of days, right? Yeah. Someone's going to come looking, right? And they're going to find a demon in your house. And they're like, oh, <laughs> this dream came true. 
He was kissed by a demon. <laughs> I, I feel like you're in a unique case where people might think it's okay. Like because of your love of demons and monsters, like people might be like, oh, it's Dennis. Oh, you know, people would go in Dennis's apartment. He would stay perfectly still and they'd be like, wow, look at this great creature that Dennis got. Like, <laughs> That's true. It would probably not stand out around all my like creature stuff. I think my plan would probably be to see how long I could like not leave the house because I would just be terrified. And then I'd also like imagine like, okay, this will wear off like in a certain amount of time maybe or something. And then when I would hit my breaking point, I'd probably just like try to hoof it and like make it out into the middle of the wilderness somewhere and eat small rabbits or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do think Giles doesn't try everything. Uh, communicate because we know from hush that he has a lot of options like i'd literally like to see the fjarl demon do it like uh um an overhead presentation mm-hmm. <laughs> he went to xander i mean that's <laughs> rock bottom <laughs> oh, i love it see it's still asleep <laughs> such a judgmental demon it's a great gag that he's speaking demon crazy crazy noises you don't know it. The audience doesn't know that he's speaking crazy noises. Was was that like a slight Back to the Future uh, reference where Xander's like, Mom, is that you? Or, you know, like when it's Giles in the room? Hmm. Maybe not. Maybe that's just what I no, think of. Then he would be dressed as Darth Vader, right? Or something like that. Like, isn't that? Well, no, there's the recurring the- joke in Back to the Future where like Michael J. Fox thinks that like, well, like, it is his mom, but she's much yeah. younger and, you know, the different things. You're back in good old 1955. That'd be great if, if Xander was like, a demon, what happened to my pants? What's a fishwife? <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give me the term fishwife. Uh, Giles calls uh, Professor Walsh a fishwife. Uh, he, he not only it. calls her a fishwife, he also calls her a harridan, uh, which are both extremely sexist and very archaic words. <laughs> well, yeah. not very archaic, somewhat archaic. Oh, I, had is, a, I had to look it up too. Yeah, is that where you're gonna? Uh, the language you're gonna have to get used to living in England. Uh, I, I actually discussed them both with uh, with with Harriet. Um, <laughs> I'm like, Giles calls her a harridan, and she's like, "That's terrible." And I'm like, "You know what a harridan is?" And she's like, "I've read a lot of books." <laughs> Maybe that's where Giles picked it up. He is learned. He knows about Theseus and the Minotaur. Don't mess with him. (laughs) Uh, And he lives alone. (laughs) Hey. Dang. I mean, he has Olivia flying over, like, from another country to sleep with him on the reg. So, like, I don't feel too bad for him. (laughs) Um, All right. So, I'd say uh, Buffy seems to be ignoring some major red flags coming from Riley. Um, so have you ever been too smitten at the beginning of a relationship to see the red flags? And yeah, I don't really want to answer that question, but <laughs> yes. I feel like the specific question should be, have you ever had a significant other that's really wanted to like beat you up and like wanted to prove <laughs> that they could beat you up? <laughs> Like I can take you. <laughs> I've had Yikes. I've had girlfriends who could for sure, <laughs> but that wasn't like important to either of us. I don't think. 
Also says more about me than them. Uh, yep. No. Can we not answer this one? This is all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I will answer this one with a uh, a connection, which is that I had a great conversation with my sister about dating online. We were talking about how, like, you know, it's not so much about avoiding the red flags as avoiding the beige flags. Like all these signs that someone's just boring. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> just like when somebody's like, oh yeah, I'm really into Coen Brothers movies. It's just like, oh, that's a sign you're boring. Not because Coen Brothers movies are bad, but if you're going to identify yourself as that, that's a sign you're probably boring. <laughs> wow. That makes sense. Totally. Like, oh, they're patient and uh, complex. <laughs> Boring. you guys take me on this podcast just to insult me? Is this what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what your date does your dating profile say that, Yoder? I don't have an active one right now, but it would probably would. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite quote recently from someone on my improv team, uh, as it applies to like how boring the Tinder world is, was um why is every time I get on Tinder, everyone's a project manager? <laughs> <laughs> always matching up with them anyway that was <laughs> dying for a chance to tell you guys that <laughs> all right uh that's it for questions um we're gonna move on to recommendations the summary uh so um i was thinking about the idea of like uh, transforming into a monster as the theme i would select from um so I picked uh, Manitou, Attack of the Mushroom People, uh, from 1963. Uh, it's directed by Ishiro Honda, who uh, directed a, a ton of kaiju movies. He's like the original Godzilla director, and he's directed like 60 movies. Um, but yeah, Attack of the Mushroom People, really good. They go these people, these shipwrecked folks, end up on an island with. Um, fungus that's growing too much and it infects um and i also was kind of thinking about that because we never see the snot but i was picturing it being similar to the fungus that spreads all over <laughs> um and i'm going to recommend uh from 1962 john agar's hands of death um uh which uh is a guy transforms i think because of atomic radiation or something it's been a while since i've seen it into basically ben Grimm, the thing um and it actually came out I think the movie came out like the same month as, as the original fantastic publication of the original fantastic four. So there's no real way of knowing like if there was influence there, but he looks exact. Imagine like the thing running around, but when he touches you, you melt. Um, so there's a lot of like running around the streets that reminded me also of uh, Giles running around in the streets, scaring kids and stuff and Maggie Walsh. Uh, so those were my two wrecks. I'm trying to tone down the wrecks, make, because I realized I got seven seasons of a show. I need to do Rex for every episode, so I need to like not do 20 an episode. Uh, and Yoder, you've recommended uh, one. Yeah, I hope I didn't recommend this before when I've been on previously, but uh, uh, No Such Thing. It's a Hal Hartley movie from 2001. Oh. Um, it's like a very subdued monster movie where it's like this guy, it's basically like Beauty and the Beast kind of in a modern setting, but like as a like low budget indie film that has really weird elements to it. He becomes like kind of a celebrity because like he gets brought into the modern world, but he's like, he really just wants to be alone and drink and like kill random 
peasants and things like that's what he wants his life to be i don't know it's, it's also kind of where i see giles going if he would have stayed in that demon form like he would just like isolate himself and like probably drink and get occasional visits from you know uh <laughs> rain ethan <laughs> so that movie has that insane scene where they have to give her surgery on her spine, but she has to be awake for it. Yeah. That scene is like really <laughs> awful and intense and weird. Yeah, but Sarah Polley is really good in it. Yeah, she is. Uh, all right, let's move on to predictions. Virgin Predictions. Okay, so... Uh, let's see. As of now, Mike, your score is a 64.1. And uh, let's talk about some predictions you've made in the past. Now, in season one, episode 11, this is a pretty old one from season one, you predicted that Buffy will be involved with the U.S. government at some point. Is Buffy involved with the U.S. government? No. Okay. Oh, Travis she, says yes. Yeah, she's met with Walsh. I mean, they're either, working on getting her security clearance. Hmm. Okay, so this is one that we may have to wait on. We'll just we'll she just wait on. With they worked with the initiative to illegally and immorally detain Ethan Ray. They, they oh, that's a good to, point. She worked. No, she worked like adjacent, and the initiative was not happy about her being there. I'd say wait for next episode. What's what's the wording? <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, we'll. we'll I think this one deserves to be awarded next episode. Okay. We'll or rejected, right? I mean, is it clearly a U.S. like organization? I mean, obviously they're in the United States, but like a U.S. military. Well, that's one. an interesting point. That the, because yeah, I was yeah. saying U.S. government because of the X Files right bullshit that happened in season one, right? Where the invisible girl gets taken off to a secret spy school to become an assassin. Yeah, like, like, oh, so they have to reckon with X-Files being a thing and they're going to do a, mm. you know, a governmental... Uh, well, Finn is called Colonel Finn. I mean, Riley is called Colonel Finn. And uh, they mentioned security clearance. So that made me think it's real military. But yeah, I don't know. Okay, here's some less ambiguous me. ones. Um, <laughs> in season three, episode six, Mike predicted Ethan Rain will return. Yeah, That happened. Mike also predicted that Ethan Rain will return in a universe inversion episode. Is this a universe inversion episode? I think it's not. I think this is a Giles inversion episode, but I don't think it's a universe inversion episode. Uh, I say it's a no. Um, yeah, I think John's right. <laughs> that it's a no. You're oh, just being harsh because you were told that you were too weak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Giles will not have long-term effects from being knocked out repeatedly. Is knowing that you've been knocked out repeatedly an effect of being knocked out repeatedly? This, this, we can't say yes or no yet. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Okay. Um, and Ethan Rain will be in season four, which he hey. was. So that was uh, two Rain confirmations too. and a denial. Um, so, I have a question. Is there an older one about, I think there's an outstanding one about um, the gang finding a new hangout, a new hideout or something. Yeah. But I feel like we should discuss to, if we think, because uh, I don't think we've ever acknowledged like that now Giles's house is there. Oh, okay. 
hangout. Sure. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that I did never knew when to bring up exactly. We can talk about that now. Yeah. So season four, episode zero, there will be a new hideout off campus. Do you guys, do you guys think that Giles's place has become their hideout? I think so. I could I'd buy that. Travis, I mean, it's think? where the books live. Yeah. 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 All right. We're going to go at, uh, let's see, Yoder, do you have any objections to confirming that they have a new hideout off campus now? Sounds good. Okay. Well, that's a confirmation for Mike then. Wow, Dennis, thank you for pulling out that point. I didn't even now, know that could be made. If gonna, however, if we're going to confirm that one, oh, no. I think we have to deny the one that says the gang will make the abandoned frat house their hideout. Damn it, that would have been such a good hideout. <laughs> Why is Xander in the basement? He could be living in this old abandoned frat house <laughs> with a broken ceiling, uh, broken glass ceiling. Okay, so we have an off-campus hideout. We do not have a frat house hideout. So, in that case, uh, Michael, you are now with all those com- some confirmed confirmations, some denials. Uh, you are now at a sixty-three point nine. I went down. All right. Well, I've got new predictions. Um, these are about physical things. These first ones. Uh, Giles's house will not need to be repaired. I think <laughs> it will already be repaired. It'll just be episode. magically healed. Yeah, I think this show doesn't worry about that. That doesn't matter to the show. That Giles' like door is missing and shit like that. Um, Giles will get a new car. Maybe that's obvious, but Giles will get a new car and it will be noticed. Um, Walsh and Giles will kiss this season. That's a prediction. I feel like against Giles' better judgment, he can't help himself. He's just got a thing for uh, maternal figures for Buffy. He's got to hook up with them. Well, yes. He had to hook up with Joyce and he's got to hook up with Walsh and uh, that's going to happen. I Sorry, they'll kiss. They'll kiss. They'll kiss. I'm not going to use the word hookup. It's too ambiguous. That's like what parents say about kids. They're just hooking up all the time. Um, and then Spike will buy a fridge for his blood. <laughs> it's unclear how we'll get power, but he needs to level up his life. I mean, I like that he's on his way to move out now that he understands he can fight demons or whatever. He's getting his own place. I think it's cool. Um, yeah, and they're apparently just not concerned about like the hostage part of that problem anymore. Well, they kind of figured out, right? At least by Spike's own admissions that he can fight demons, so he's of use and he gets pleasure out of it, uh, which they're not bothered by. So <laughs> he's great. That's all the predictions I have for now, unless there are some prediction requests, but otherwise that's it. All right, let's move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. Mike, why don't you stop, start us off? So I mentioned this earlier in Weird Noticings that Buffy's fighting experience is, you know, a, it feels like it's about her sexual experience versus Riley's fighting experience slash sexual experience. Um, if that's true, and I, and I think it is, what do you think the show says about um, Buffy's sexual experience? I never, I had never really read it as sexual experience before. Um, more of, I thought it was more general, like all life experience like Mm -hmm. 
or career experience. Like, yeah. she's an amateur fry cook. She comes from a long line of fry cooks. I think there is a thing about um, Riley feeling inadequate, I guess, because he doesn't measure up to her. That's true. That, like, yeah. the show's definitely making a statement about, like, oh, you can't have a couple where the woman is, like, superior in something than to the man is, like, kind of what, maybe not the show's point of view, but Riley's point of view for sure seems to be. Yeah. Definitely. It's weird because Riley's not, he's not like a total misogynist about it. He's just like in this weird half space where he's like, don't get me wrong. I grew up with strong women, but you're too like, or something, you know. I'm not actually woke. Yeah. Yeah. He just wants to beat up his girlfriend. That's I all. mean, I said I was a lesbian, but. Well, the thing he says at the end is really weird where he's like, oh, I get it. You're really strong. You're, 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 you know, like a one woman demolition crew. And then he says, I like it. And then he says, but I'm going to take you down. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. I, I mean, it, I think like, I don't know. Do, can we get into your one, Dennis? Because I want to talk about that. All right, let's just combine them. Yeah. So, Please, I think they're related. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it's interesting. Should I read mine? Or, uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I just say fragile masculinity is the theme. Riley not being confident of the strength around Buffy, Giles being emasculated by Walsh, etc. I, I really agree with that. That was, uh, I, I would have written pretty much the same thing if uh, you had, hadn't got to the document first. I, I think, uh, so it's interesting. So the whole, a lot of the episode is Riley confronting uh, the idea that his girlfriend is more powerful than him or is more capable than him at something he takes pride in, right? Killing monsters is something he thinks he's good at. Buffy's better at it. Uh, and with Giles, it's kind of the same thing. He's confronted with a woman who's, at least in the context of this episode, he feels is better than him at what he does. Like she's, he's an intellectual. She's a more intellectual. He is a parental figure to Buffy. She's a better parental figure to Buffy. And so it really hits him where he lives. And I think it's interesting how those two situations kind of play out differently and how with, uh, in the Riley one, we're kind of on Buffy's side or we see it through Buffy's eyes. And with the Giles, when we see it through Giles's eyes, uh, and Giles doesn't handle it super well, even though we're so on his side. Yeah, like we're so on on Giles' side. It's so satisfying when he gets out of the car and scares Professor Walsh away just to like mess with her. Like that is such a great and fun scene. And like when she like he goes to her office to to like you know say hi, and she just humiliates him to like it feels really gross. And so you really don't like her. Um, but Giles does not handle it well. He calls her a harridan and a fishwife. That's like gross. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like she's clearly could be at least the show doesn't seem to think so. But like by all of the characteristics and the the thoughtfulness that she can offer like all the leadership like she should be the better role model for buffy like she's female she's smart she's a general of some kind like she is the better role model and like giles does not measure up by the in objectively does not and i like that that's like comes out as just male rage yeah I'd say part of like why we don't like Walsh in this episode and stuff is the way she describes things is very military. Right. And like, it's not get like, it's demeaning, it's demeaning Buffy and being like, Buffy doesn't have discipline and she doesn't have like all her strength comes from instincts. So I forget what the exact quotes are. Cause I didn't write them down, but it's like stuff that's attacking what Buffy is actually really good at. Yeah. That's um, a good point. It's, it's not so much like on Giles's behalf that we dislike her as much as it is on Buffy's behalf. I think that's a good point. Um, this connects with like this thing. Uh, I've, I'm sure you guys have seen this uh, speech that Joss Whedon gave when he accepted the, um, 
what is it the uh, the equality award or something like that mm-hmm. um and he gives this one of the year awards yeah he yeah he, he he accepts an award as a like a feminism award essentially um which is a longer conversation that that happened but um in this speech and it's a good speech it's well written and it's well delivered it's worth checking out on youtube if you haven't seen it um one of the things that he's talking about like you know like why write these like so you know quote unquote strong women characters and one of the things that he kind of suggests in the episode is that it's it's not just about having strong women characters but that it's about the way that the men surrounding those characters handle it and he says um you know i write these characters because of my father my father and my stepfather had a lot to do with it because they prized wit and resolve in women that they were that they were with above all things and they were among uh, the rare men who understood that recognizing someone else's power does not diminish their own. So that, that, that's a, it's an overt sort of project with Whedon's writing uh, to talk about like how men handle powerful women. But it's really interesting to me that the way that this kind of works, one of the things I noticed about how this works is that Buffy can be stronger than Riley and that can work, but Buffy also has to do a fair amount of negotiating around Riley's ego. Like she has to really yes. work at this to make this work. And she's constantly worried that he's gonna freak out because his ego's being bruised. And I feel like that that to me, like the like upon like the second or third watching this time around of this, like that really hit home for me because I feel like that's like I'm a Riley. Like I totally love uh, you know, being with strong, powerful, amazing women, and that's you know. I believe I'm in a relationship with one right now, but I also have a super fragile ego and demand that people are a little bit careful with me. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, John. You know who wasn't that way is Angel. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, I think it's in the first, the beginning of the first season of Angel. So when he sees Buffy, he makes a comment about like, last time I checked, you're a little stronger than me. Like, it's just like a common, an acknowledged fact. Like, she's the Slayer. She's Ooh. sort of vampires. That, that has not happened in Michael's timeline. Oh, tread, tread lightly. Then? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Episode 18. Oh, shit, man. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I actually haven't been watching ahead. This is just a blurry mess. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's just interesting. And, and, and Professor Walsh, like, again, I think you're right that we have good reasons to, like, dislike her. But I think one of the reasons that she comes off as a Herodin and a fishwife is because she doesn't take any time to massage Giles's ego when she talks to him. She's just like, nope, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. You know? Which is also how she treats her students. Yeah, that's how she treats everybody. Including Riley and like everybody. (laughs) Oh Lord, help us college boys in love. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when I said that she like objectively is a better leader, I just mean it objectively. I don't think she's actually a better leader. I think like in some creepy world where you look at people as a series of tables and you compare quality than Giles is as far as like a leader well, for she's, Buffy. She's still gainfully employed. <laughs> <laughs> Unemployed former librarian or? Technically she holds down two jobs, just like how Giles held down two jobs. Mm-hmm. Giles was a librarian by day and a watcher by night and she's a... Psych- and how'd that work out for Giles? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no, is the school going to get destroyed? No. <laughs> the university, that'd be like a really big monster. It'd be a big monster. Why can't Walsh just be like the military like general? Why does he have to have the second job? John, do you think like the, the statement you made about Joss Whedon's speech, do you think that's why like Giles didn't become a professor at the university? And like to be at more of an equal standing with Walsh and, and like 
instead he's like at this lower standing by being unemployed and like not being yeah. involved directly. Well, I think at the very least, like that, like like you don't create drama by leaving people where they are, right? Like, um, it it, you know, we said earlier that it's kind of like Giles has no place in this season, and that's sort of true. But like on another way, like if we had left Giles in the role of unchallenged authority, uh, that wouldn't be drama, right? We have to watch him fall, and like that is something in some interest. Is Giles the Xander of last season then for this season? Like he's like has no purpose. Oh, he was totally Xander this episode. <laughs> for this that Xander so episode. Yeah, the Zeppo. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe Giles will have like a midlife crisis and he'll get Xander's uncle's car and he'll like be driving that around <laughs> next time. This oh, episode is, yeah. It's totally Xander being, be, or Giles being Xander rather. Where yeah. he's uh and he's and he and he says a bunch of random sexist stuff it's perfect it works yeah so that's why i'm on because <laughs> that's why he's actually shitty Andrew about sleeping to 10 30 because he's like oh, i got up that means willow had like a xander-esque episode a couple episodes ago right when like she was like alone and wandering around going to parties where no one was there yeah willow's had her like xander-esque episodes is xander just our being a loser rock bottom <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, right Spike's now. also Xandering it pretty hard. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Hell, those two live together. I want to use that in the future now. If someone's down on their luck, be like, "Man, that that guy's Xandering really hard." Oh man, I'm 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 uh, living on you know, in somebody else's house, sleeping on a mattress on the floor that was used as padding for somebody else's DJ equipment. I feel like I'm Xandering it pretty hard right now. <laughs> I thought last episode we were saying that you were spiking. Or... <laughs> Uh, all right (laughs) yoder you got uh our last theme here i mean if we want to go into it uh it's just it's a common thing in tv shows uh like keeping secrets um i think that's kind of also a theme for this episode i think the thing i pulled it out from was uh when buffy's talking to willow about holding back with riley and Willow's like, well, you can't do that. But at the same time, she's holding back information about like how she's spending time with Tara. Um, and there's also like Giles is keeping his own secrets about how he's truly feeling about being left out from the group. And, um, you know, the initiative and Walsh, they're like just a basket full of secrets. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Yep. This, this episode ended on a cliffhanger. We didn't even talk about it. Not that I want to oh, keep yeah. it forever, but... You yeah, actually, yeah. I feel like Mike should do. John and I were talking about it. What's that? You should do a prediction about three one four. What's behind the door? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, John and I were talking about that. How this show random, like just before we recorded about how the show never ends in cliffhangers, and that's why we like it. But this one totally does. <laughs> this episode, <laughs> where yeah, Walsh goes into a secret room. It had three one four written on it. Which is what um, Ethan Rain said. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that kind of plot line. Yeah, oh, that's not what's fun about this episode. That's not no. what's interesting about it, obviously. But yeah, do so, you want to make a prediction? What what's in the three one four room? Um, and it's not just more demons and monsters. I'm more demons and monsters. <laughs> in three one four, I don't know if the house is going to take that bet. Okay, she's got faith in that room. Faith is um, trapped there. So it's in the hospital. Prediction. It's in the hospital. What? She can get out of the hospital and be in the med. And well, you're telling me she's not there, which I appreciate. (laughs) 
Damn it, damn it, Travis. <laughs> you know, Travis, they could be behind that. That was a, that was a hilarious prediction. That it is made really no sense. Actually, that, no, that makes sense. Wrong. It makes perfect sense. The initiative, faith? The initiative the knows about Slayers now. No, well, they're not yeah. in her bed in the hospital. They just yeah. found out about Slayers this episode. Yeah. Room 314 <laughs> has existed for a while. So it doesn't. Oh, maybe some some I actually think that would be a cool twist. Juicy demons. I like that better than what actually is in room 314. (laughs) That'd be cool if they like it's it's so hard to not just blurt it out when you know what's in that room. (laughs) You can't do poker face, just block the camera. Okay. (laughs) You predicted already the initiative will not capture a werewolf. (gasps) No, it's not Oz. That would be so fucked up. It's not Oz. Hmm. You guys think that could, it's be Oz? The, that could be the prediction? Three, three, one, four is not Oz. I think Oz is off the show. So I mean, he'll be back okay. to say Willow, whatever. But they, if they captured Oz, I'd be so sad. He's on Family Guy. Okay, so you're telling me it's Oz based on your reactions that Oz is back there, which is interesting. Okay, and you basically told me that when you're like, oh, where will follow? Okay, so Oz is in that room, and that would be super fucked up. That would be a great choice for the show if Oz is in that room. Okay. Oz is in room 314. I am adding it to the predictions list. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, that's the show for this week. Uh, David Yoder, where can people find your stuff and what are you up to? I haven't been up to much of late. Um, I'm Awesome Yoder on Twitter. And I haven't posted a movie review in a long time, but there's a bunch that you can read of past movies um, at David and David at the movies.wordpress.com. All right. And at some point we're going to do another two dummies in a dumb movie. I still need to upload two that we've recorded. I've just been very lazy and bad. I, uh, I moved this summer as well. So it's kind of been yeah. rough transition. Yeah. If you like me and Yoder's back and forth, you can listen to us on two dummies in a dumb movie. You can find me online. I'm at Dennis Comics, D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. Uh, I'm, that's both my .com, my Twitter. Um, and you can find uh, uh, Buffy Virgin online. We're Buffy Virgin Pod on Twitter, Buffy Virgin on Instagram, BuffyVirgin.com. Please like, subscribe, review. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, and we will discuss your comments at length in episode. Uh, so thanks very much, and we will see you in hell. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,